If it's your first time here, my name is Jonathan Reyes. I serve here as the associate pastor. Um, and I just want you to turn your attention to God's word this morning. Uh, we're going to be focusing in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you notice that we have been in a series, uh, first in the book of Acts, and then on uh, life, gender, and sexuality. And today we're just taking a brief pause before we jump in to the book of Acts next week. If you don't know where the book of Deuteronomy is, it's the fifth book in the Bible. Fifth book in the Bible, early, right in the beginning. Uh, so we're going to be focusing on chapter 8 on verses 11 through 20, just under this uh, title of Remembering God's Faithfulness. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 20. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when, you have, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there were, was no water, who brought, you, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So, you shall, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, I thank you just for bringing us here together to assemble, to sing to you, uh, to sing about your goodness, to, th to sing about your faithfulness, to sing uh, just about your character. And Father, as we are reminded of your goodness to us this morning, I pray, Lord, that this verse, these verses that we're expounding on, Lord, would not be used to, to make us feel guilty, but to uh, encourage us and give us life to remember your faithfulness, to remember your goodness. So Father, I pray for myself, I pray that you would fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit so that I may communicate your word clearly, compassionately, and with conviction as well. I pray, Father, for those who are here today, those who don't know you, those who do know you, Lord, and we just pray that you would open up minds and hearts to receive your word, to understand your word. We pray that your word will go out and uh, that it would accomplish all that you want it to do and that that word will land on fertile ground so that, uh, so that you may water it and cause it to germinate and bear fruit. So I pray, Father, that most of all that you would use the word of God this morning so that the children of God may look like the Son of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, a couple of planes were hijacked and flew into the Twin Towers and one hit the Pentagon. I remember vividly as a freshman in high school 
sitting in second period at study hall when the news came through our auditorium speakers that one of the planes was hit. And not long after, we turned on the TV to see the other tower hit as well. I remember living in Clifton, New Jersey, and uh, running home, going upstairs to the attic, because from there I can see the New York City skyline and being able to not see anything because the skyline was filled and clouded with debris. I remember shortly after a season of mourning how we came up with the mantra to never forget what happened on that day. To never forget those who sacrificed their lives to bring down a plane headed to the White House. To never forget those who lost their lives in the attack. To never forget those who sacrificed their lives in searching for people in the rubble. To never forget. To always remember what happened on that day. And the text that we are looking at today communicates this idea to never forget. To never forget that, the, that God miraculously saved the Israelites from slavery. To never forget that God was the one who led them through the wilderness. To never forgot, forget His grace. The reason is uh, the old generation had died and perished. Moses is left from the old generation with Joshua and Caleb. And now this new generation that was born in the wilderness that didn't get to witness the slavery, but got to witness the miracles. This new generation is standing across the Jordan, looking at the promise that they're about to inherit, and God, through Moses, is reminding them of who he is and the covenant obligations that they have before them. If you are here today and you don't know what a covenant is, a covenant is a treaty. It is a contract, an agreement that is made between two parties to uphold an agreement. So God, through Moses, is reminding the Israelites of their covenant obligations, the the terms of the agreement, that if they were to be his people and he will to be their God, he is proving two points before them before they inherit the promise. Number one, to not make the mistakes of the past. And number two, to remember how God has been faithful. And it is these two points that kind of give us the underlying theme of the book of Deuteronomy, and it's that remembrance leads to obedience. If Israel were to remember God's faithfulness, then they will love him. And if they will love him, they will in turn will obey him. But if there's anything I know about the Israelites, but even I know about myself, is that we tend to forget. We have the tendency to be a forgetful people. It can be as little as forgetting where we place the remote. It can be, even if you're like me, you're wondering where you put your phone while you're on the phone talking on it. Don't know if that has happened to you. You're like, where's my phone? We we have the tendency to, to forget. But if I'm really honest, there have been times in my own life where I functionally have forgotten about the goodness of God, where I've coasted in my walk with God where I function on autopilot, where the days are dull and and stale and just function. And the passage we're looking at today talks about and warns us about forgetting God. Like us, the Israelites have a track record of forgetting God time and time again. So the main idea I want us to see from the passage today is that remembering God's faithfulness in the past is what enables us to be obedient in the present. 
remembering God's faithfulness in the past is what leads us to be obedient in the present. So if we're commanded to not forget God and to remember his faithfulness, then we need to recognize that number one, the dangers of forgetting God. The dangers of forgetting God. Verse 11 through 14 says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The dangers of forgetting God. Forgetting is a dangerous thing. Forgetting important dates, such as an anniversary or a birthday, can be hurtful and damaging to a relationship. It can make a spouse or a friend feel unimportant or unappreciated. Or it can even cause them to not trust you anymore because of your inability to remember important things. And what God is communicating through Moses to the Israelites and to us today is that they better be careful to not forget the Lord their God. The word here that is translated to not forget has the idea in Hebrew thought of intentionally suppressing a memory, to intentionally dismiss it from the mind. It's not just that, oh, it slipped my mind, but that there is an, an actual working to forget that is happening. And what's dangerous about this is that because in God's economy, forgetting is the root of disobedience. And one of the, one of the dangers of forgetting the Lord dear God is that, number one, forgetting God leads to a failure to disobey His commands. Look at verse 11. He says, uh, how does God say that the Israelites can forget him by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. The commandments that Moses is communicating to the Israelites here is not only the Ten Commandments, but it's also the working of those commandments that shows itself through some of the rituals and some of the holidays that they are to celebrate. Holidays like the Feast of Booths, that reminds them how they lived in shelters or booths for 40 years. The, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of the Passover. Feasts that throughout the Jewish calendar were meant to intentionally remind the Jewish people of the many different ways that God has protected them and preserved them for 40 years. For us, on this side of redemption, uh, God has given us diff different rhythms. One, we have the weekly gathering of the saints on Sunday mornings. We also have the, the Lord's Supper, which Jesus gave to us so that we can remember his broken body and his sacrificial death. When we forget God, it warps our views about his commands. God's commands were, were meant to be a blessing and not meant to be an infringement of our freedoms. One of the ways that this happens and we're tempted is that when we can think that God doesn't have what's best for us, when his rules or his commands get in the way of us trying to have a good time, 
when we forget about his goodness and grace, we can easily slip into compromise and disobedience. And what's interesting about compromise is that it begins with a slow drift. We don't see the harmful effects at the very beginning, but we end up straying so far that we begin to wonder, how did I even get here? An example of this, um, I heard from a friend on Facebook that um, if you're traveling and you go off course by just one degree, after one foot, you'll miss your target by 0.2 inches. Very trivial. But what happens when you go further out? If you continue to travel 100 yards, you'll be off by about five feet. Not huge, but noticeable. After a mile, you'll be off by about 93 feet. That one degree is beginning to make a difference. But if you're traveling from San Francisco, California, and you're trying to get to Washington, D.C., you'll end up on the other side of Baltimore, close to 50 miles away. You begin to see that compromise has this effect. You get this idea. Another way that we are tempted to not obey God's commands is to just to think that they're outdated, out of touch with society and culture. This is a popular one today, where we think that the Bible is no longer relevant for us today. And one of the ways I think it's rooted in this intellectual arrogance that because we have an advancement in technology, because uh, we think we're morally superior than the people that God dealt with in the past, we, we have this intellectual arrogance to somehow believe that the people that God revealed himself were didn't have the intellectual capacity to understand reality and what's happening right in front of them. Ultimately, forgetting God causes you to minimize His holiness and minimize His standards. But number two, forgetting God also leads to a false view of prosperity. Look at verses 12 and 14. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God, being a gracious and loving father, is preparing his people for the blessing that they are about to receive. Keep in mind that the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Then God raises up Moses to deliver them out of slavery. And now they have been wandering in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years. And now they're about to enter into a land where they're about to be showered with so many financial blessings that they've never experienced in their life. And God is preparing them and warning them to not appreciate the gift more than the giver of the gift. He promised them time and time again that they're going to enter into a land that flows with milk and honey, that he's going to cause them to prosper in that land, and through all of that, to always remember that it was God who not only saved them, but also gave them all of these things. So for us, when you have a full refrigerator, or when you're having steak dinners, or when you're getting a raise and a promotion at work, don't forget the Lord your God. Because there is something unique about financial prosperity that warps our hearts and causes us to forget the Lord. 
It's very easy to forget about the tough situation we found ourselves in when we cried out to God when everything is going good for us. And Moses spelled out the dangers that involved in forgetting that God is the very source of every blessing that they are enjoying. That if we forget God, then success has a way of making us proud. The text says that after they received all this, that if their, that their heart will get lifted up and they will say in their heart that they will forget the Lord. It's very easy to forget when things are going good. The, the Jews were slaves in Egypt and now they're about to live in fine houses. They're about to watch their flock multiply like never before. They're about to have this gold and silver that they didn't even have before now. And all the while, all that the Lord is blessing them they're going to forget all that God has done for them. They have been nomads in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they're about to settle down in a rich land, enjoying peace and prosperity with their children and grandchildren. So maybe you are here today, and you, you feel that your walk with God has kind of grown cold, or, or you are, are stale in your relationship with God. Have you been forgetting the gospel and abandoned the first love that you had? Maybe you are here today and you are full of outrage and you are constantly criticizing the culture and the way society is going. Have you become a judgmental Pharisee and forgotten that you have been a forgiven sinner? Maybe you are here today and you're working hard to establish generational wealth. Have you lost eternal perspective and allowed materialism and self-centeredness to take too much ground in your heart? Family, remember who God is and what he has done for you. Remember who you were before he stepped in and saved you. Remember on the path that you were on if God did not come in and save you. Remember the mercy that you received. Remember what you felt as being a recipient of that mercy. Remember how you felt when you realized that you don't deserve such a great salvation, that you didn't deserve to be forgiven. Remember that. So if forgetting God is a dangerous thing, there is hope and good news. The cure to forgetting God is to work hard at remembering Him. So number two, remember the blessings of remembering God. Let's look at verses 15 and 20 through 20. He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought you water out of the flinty rock. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he may humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And when you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. The cure to forgetting God is to work hard at remembering God. 
It's because remembering God's past faithfulness reminds us of His present goodness. In verses 15-16, through 16, Moses is very quick to just remind them of a, a, a summary of what happened in the 40 years. If you want a more detailed summary, I encourage you to read the book of Numbers. Right after you get past the census and all the names, it, you're going to see that the story picks up and you're going to begin to see uh, the mistakes that Israel made. You're going to begin to see that they are not perfect people, that, that they had sin in their hearts that they struggled with and how God not only disciplined a generation but constantly came to their aid. And now this new generation is standing across the river. They can literally see the land that they're about to inherit. And, and God is reminding them through Moses, remember what I just did for your fathers. Remember how you got here to this point that you are about to receive. The purpose of Moses reminding them of this and the, the purpose of the wilderness was to prepare the Israelites to trust God in every way. Think about it. They walked with God for 40 years, and the foot of, the, the, of their sandals did not waste away. They walked with God for 40 years, not knowing where they were going to eat, but somehow, some way, they ate three times a day. They walked with God for 40 years and encountered their enemies, and they thought they were going to lose, but somehow, some way, they won. For 40 years, God has proved that he has been faithful, and all he is doing is using these 40 years to remind the Israelites, like, hey, you, I'm trustworthy. You can depend on me. And now he warns them. He warns them because in light of all of the prosperity they're about to receive, he warns them, like, hey, guys, I'm the one who's been there. I'm the one who's giving you all of this. I'm the one who's protected, protecting you. And for us here who live in America, we need to kind of understand this. Because the context of this exhortation to remember God and to not forget Him comes under a warning of financial prosperity. And most of us, if not all, we make, we're in the top 5% of the world's economy when it comes to riches. We are way, if you work a minimum wage job, you're still richer than the poorer nations out in the world. So, this warning comes within the context of financial prosperity. So look at verses 17, 17 through 20 on how God wants to zero in on warning them in light of his faithfulness to them. 17 through 20 says this, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Here, as they're about to receive the blessings, they're being reminded that God is sovereign over their lives. That even though they are going to be tempted to believe that they are responsible for their success, God is actually stepping in to remind them that they're very little in light of His greatness. That their destinies depend on His mercy. That they, that they are responsible 
only for their sin, not responsible for all of the blessings that they're going to receive. That they need to be careful of taking credit for their success. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Listen, the blessing of remembering God is that we need to remember that it is He who gave you the power to get wealth. You may sit here and wonder, like, wait a minute, then why am I not wealthy? Like, wait a minute, we need to be careful on how we read this text. The Lord gave you gifts, the Lord gave you talent, the Lord gave you strength, and now He gave you the ability to go out and make something of yourself. But at the same time, He also wants to remind them that in His economy, there is no such thing as a self-made person. There's no such thing as pulling yourself up from your bootstraps. That it was God who not only gave you the ability, but it was also God who put those people in your life to encourage you, to develop you, and also launch you to have a successful life. That it was God who gave them the ability to farm and to, to multiply all of the things that they have, that they're about to receive. This is why Moses is warning them, because uh, they need to understand that they Everything that they have before them is an act of grace, has been given to them by God. Side note, we need to be careful when we read this passage and somehow think that this, that, oh, wait, wait a minute. So if I'm faithful to God, I, am I going to be healthy and wealthy that, that, I'm, that all of these things that I'm going to be, that all, everything's going to multiply in my life? We need to understand that what we can learn from this is that God is faithful. God promises. There's no promise in Scripture that we are going to be rich, that we are going to be wealthy. If anything, that we're going to have trials and tribulations, that the poor will always be among us. But in light of all of that, that God is faithful. And one thing that we need to learn from this text is that number two, is that because it's a warning, we need to view this in the right way. So we need to remember that God's warnings serve as a tool to spare us from unnecessary pain and hardship. Like his commandments, these warnings are not because he hates you, but because he loves you. He know, he's a father who knows what is best for you. And because he knows you better than yourself, he's giving you these guardrails so that you don't fall off the cliff. He says, I know what financial prosperity will do to you. Financial prosperity has a way of warping our hearts to to forget God. And, you know, if you, you know, if you're here and you're an adult, and if you're a child here, you probably understand this idea of warning. When I was a child, I knew that I operated off a merit system. I knew that if I wanted a PlayStation or Jordans for my birthday or Christmas, that I needed to behave and I needed to perform well. But I also knew that if I was rebellious and if I was stubborn, that those blessings that I had were going to be taken away from me, that I was going to be grounded and I was not going to have this PlayStation for 30 days, that it was going to be taken away from me. I didn't, I didn't have a cell phone back then. Kids today are special. Like I, 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 you know, I was praying for a PlayStation 2. <laughs> but if you are rebellious, like, you know, like, okay, if I behave, blessings come earthly. If I disobey, consequences, punishment happens. That's, and what God is saying, he's like, listen, I want to spare you from hardship. I want to spare you 
from pain that if you just remember me and you obey me, everything is going to go well. God is a faithful father. He is a good father. And that is the purpose of why he's giving them this, these warnings before they inherit the promise. Like, hey guys, just remember how good I've been. Remember how you left Egypt with nothing? Look at what you're going into. Look what you're going into the land of the promise with. You were slaves, now you're free. Look at all of what I've given you. So how is Israel, were they supposed to obey these commands? How are they supposed to do that? The same way that we're supposed to do it. By simply remembering what God has done. The most beautiful act is that God told Israel, and if you read chapter 7, it's like, hey, when you go into the land of the promise, don't think that you're just somehow better than the nations before you. No, no, no. I chose you because you were actually the fewest. I chose you because you were the weakest. There was nothing attractive about you, Israel. There was nothing attractive about you, Jonathan. There was nothing good about you, but yet I chose to set my love and affection on you. And I chose you for that purpose. I chose you because I'm good. In the same way that they were supposed to remember that, we remember the gospel. With a, a strong warning that they have, we have an even better story to remember. The Israelites remembered the Exodus. They are always to remember how God delivered them. But for us, we get to see and remember the way God has delivered us from the sin, from sin and death. We get to remember the gospel. We get to remember that we uh, didn't deserve the forgiveness that we received through Jesus Christ. We get to recall the story of how God sent his son to live a perfectly obedient life because you and I were disobedient. How Jesus in his innocence was led to slaughter, to die on behalf of disobedient and rebellious sinners like you and I. That because of Jesus, we get to now enjoy all of God's blessings. We get to enjoy forgiveness of sins. We get to enjoy being reconciled to him and being reconciled to one another. We get to remember a much beautiful story. And just like what he is commanding to them in Deuteronomy, that if they were to remember, that remembering will lead to their obedience, it's the same pattern in the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, when you read Paul's letters, Paul always begins with, remember what Jesus did. Remember the implications of what Jesus did before he commands you to say, now this is how you should live. One thing about us on this side of redemption is that we always need to connect what we do based on what Jesus has done for us. Everything we do flows out of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So remember Jesus, love Jesus, and obey Jesus. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past is what enables us to be present, to be obedient in the present. So as I conclude, when the Bible talks about remembering, it gives us two illustrations. Number one, it talks about remembering under the idea of commemorating. It also talks about remembering through the act of celebrating. When you commemorate something, you memorialize it. It means that this bit of history back here is meant to, remember, uh, to remind you of something here and now. When you go to different college campuses, you, you see that different buildings have been dedicated and have these names to memorialize, to commemorate someone who was important in that school's history. 
it is, commemorate, it is commemorated for their relevancy today. So when you remember what God has done in the past, he wants to influence what you do in the present. Another instance is not only through commemorations, but through celebration. When you have holidays like Memorial Day, you remember those who have gone before you. When, you remember, when we have Veterans Day, you remember those who've given their lives and died for the freedoms that you get to enjoy right now. When we celebrate Martin Luther King Day, we remember a man that God had used because he had a dream that opened up doors that were not previously open for many people and now becomes a time of celebration. You celebrate because of what they did back then, you get to enjoy in the present. When it came to remembering, God gave the Israelites festivals. He gave them festivals so that they can remember his goodness, so they can remember his faithfulness. And all those festivals served, as the book of Hebrews tells us, as a type and shadow of the true thing to come, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the final Sabbath rest, because in him all work is done. Jesus is the final Passover because in him we have the final sacrifice. We no longer need the blood of bulls and goats to bring forgiveness. Jesus died so that we can receive forgiveness and not receive the penalty of our sin. It is because of Jesus that we can remember how we were once slaves to sin and now we have been set free to live free. And now we have been set free to love him and to obey him. And one of the ways that we get to remember this physically is by the act of communion that we're going to take today. In it, we get to remember the broken body of the Lord and his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sin and saving us from death. So after I pray, we're going to take communion together as a family and put this idea of remembering into practice.